Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. What could be germier than a bathroom doorknob? Try unclean countertops, TV remotes, fridge handles, gaming controls, and all kinds of things around the house. Help your family stay happy, healthy, and uninterrupted by illness this year with Clorox disinfecting wipes, Clorox bleach, and Clorox disinfecting mist. They kill 99.9% of cold and flu viruses on hard, non-porous surfaces when used as directed. So get germs out of the way and get on with your day with Clorox. You're unstoppable when you start clean. Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue, live on the laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, DPHD, hit an intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, home for the locals. Gotta be social, network, global, home for the locals. Dr. LeClaire, thank you for being on the show. How's your day going so far? It's going well. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks again for having me. Yes, I love the, I love the hair. Love the hair. <laughs> oh, thank the color you. color is awesome. It looks great. <laughs> Thanks. It's my little fun pop of expression. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, you, it seems like you have this very like joyful uh, this exuberance I'm seeing. And I feel it immediately with people. Just that. <laughs> Where does that come from? Um, you know, I think it comes, well, it comes from within, right. You know, whenever, you know, that when people have it, Mm -hmm. you feel their energy and everything. But for me, I mean, it comes from a lot of work too, a lot of going through some things, working through, um, hardship, shedding layers and really, you know, choosing things differently for myself. And, but I've kind of always had this little sparkle inside. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. Talk, talk a little bit about the work. I mean, let's expand upon that. I think it's an important topic of working on oneself. You know? Oh, for sure. You know, so for me, it, it, it takes a lot of forms. Um, I am a person who I had a, a lot of trauma in my childhood and I didn't ever manage it well, didn't talk about it, didn't go through it. So it, then too, it was just this space where I was just going to prove to everybody how awesome I was and go sparkle and do that for myself. But by the time I got to college, I kind of... Um, realized I was really good at helping other people use their voice and, and talk about things, but I wasn't necessarily so good at doing it on my own. So it was really then that I started to learn more about, you know, the different ways that we communicate with people, the different ways we relate to people and started kind of working on some things. But honestly, you know, it's a daily practice that I have to do when I talk about like doing the work on that. It's really you know, a lot of, for me, journaling or meditating, going outside grounding. It's like, really understanding the connection between my mind and my body, because so often we have all these emotions and we just push them aside and, you know, they're going to come up some way. <laughs> oh, they always come up some way. Yeah. And usually in a different form that then you don't understand, they're going to keep poking you. So for me, doing the work is really like leaning into that, you know, and understanding some of the discomfort is what happens when you're trying to grow and change. And, and I had to, it took me a long time to dig into the things I needed to dig into. You know, it's kind of easy to 
think things are about one thing, but for me, I really had to go back to my childhood and, and resolve some of those wounds that I had never really wanted to open up before. Is that something you think is beneficial for most people to go backwards and look at how you were raised and your environment? There's, and there's different theories on how to approach those things, you know? You know, and it depends. It depends on how supported you are in the process, you know, because it can be very painful depending on what comes up for you and what you remember and things like that. Um, but I am also biased because I have taught family communication at the collegiate level and re relational communication for years. So I've had the benefit of seeing my students kind of go back, like in family comm in particular, we go back and we talk about their emotional upbringing and their patterns. And what did this look like for you? How do you show up in conflict? How do you talk about feelings? And so they even do journals all semester long. And to see the growth and development that they get, even from just kind of reflecting without even going into like real topics, you know, and, and of course, for some of them, things surface. And so that's where, again, it's always just so important, you know, if you're going through that, you know, do you have a support system, be it friends or family or a therapist or, you know, somebody um, that can help you? Because the thing is, um, it, it can be really challenging, you know, and that's why people don't do it because we don't want to be uncomfortable. <laughs> no, <clears throat> actually, people yeah. avoid that like the plague completely yeah. with yeah. it. What's some uh, common family communication issues that you notice with people you work with? Is there a common thread of things you see? Yeah, I mean, the majority of time it, it goes back to, you know, in the family system, especially you're kind of embedded in your, um, you know, you're dependent on other people. So there's a lot of different dynamics, especially depending on how many people there are. So most of the time, like for example, with my students, you know, they're in college. So they're kind of stepping out onto their own in the first, in the first space. And so it's really being able to reflect of like, okay, what of what I was taught at home is where I really align and what I really believe now versus what was going on in my home generationally or because my parents were uncomfortable with emotion or conflict. So for most people, it's really recognizing like how they're then showing up in their adult relationships and not and, you know, and having kind of some of those light bulb moments like, oh, OK, yeah, I avoid conflict because maybe there was a lot of conflict in my home. And so I just try to people please and accommodate so I don't have to have conflict or for other people, it might be like, oh, no, conflict and chaos is where my nervous system is used to. So then I'm just going to dig in and go there. So like just really having kind of some of those self-awareness um, conflict is a huge one. And also talking about people's feelings because so often, you know, people aren't really honest about what they feel. And then it comes mm. up later and resentment and stuff like that. What, what does that mean? People aren't honest how they feel. Well, uh, so often, I mean, think, think about it, you know, think about how frequently you tell somebody you're fine or everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And if you really stop to think about, okay, but what, what are your emotions? How much can you talk about any one emotion with one person? And for most people too, even recognizing that you're probably feeling multiple things at one time. Right. And so who, who can you tell those things to, and how is that going to be received? Because unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, they're especially, you know, men historically have not been really, really able to express emotion. You know, they've been called names or told they're a sissy or a pussy yeah. and they got to suck it up. Right. So just, you know, stuff like that, really being aware of like, okay, if you're stunted and I can't talk about things that probably comes from somewhere. Right. So either it's a fear or it's like somebody somewhere along the line showed you that that's what you had to do. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and recognizing also how we privilege certain emotions. 
You know, some mm. people are really comfortable with some, but then they'll avoid others. Certain emotions. I don't think yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. Like, so before. some people are not really comfortable with anger, you know, so they'll do everything to avoid being angry and not realizing that, you know, anger is no emotion is inherently bad, right? No feeling, but it's then trying to understand where it comes from. But again, some of that too, we live in a society where over the last several years, that toxic positivity and just being happy and all that kind of <laughs> took over in some spaces, right? So weird. Like, so weird. Yeah. So yeah. Toxic positivity is strange to me. Yeah. On some it, level. It's like, this. let's just push all this out like this these other things don't exist yeah and just going to be super positive all the time I mean, that's not the reality of life on a regular basis you know no there's a huge difference between positive reframing and coming to a different understanding about a situation than just being like yeah it's all cool you're good you've got this you know <laughs> have you ever been gone up to someone and like oh i'm doing okay like 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 what does that mean like I'm a big, what does that mean person? Like you'll hear me say this, or what does that mean? Like, I like people to explain themselves to me. Right. Like, well, and what, that's what, what you're talking about. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, right. Well, and just, you know, yeah, you think about the ways that we just kind of make those statements without, you know, what okay is to you might be way different than what okay yeah. is to me too. So even just kind of one of the things, just understanding that, you know, yeah. How, how do you talk about your emotions, even to yourself? Because sometimes mm -hmm. people just deny them, their own feelings to themselves and, you know, let alone talking to somebody else about them. I feel like, like people aren't like challenged on a weekly basis about themselves. Like it's easy to be an autopilot in your life, you know? Oh, for sure. It's like, just so we don't realize the ways that we're kind of numbing out and disconnecting yeah. from ourselves. You know, so I'm really fortunate because my job is to remind people of that connection. So I'm kind of invested in it, but that's also then what makes some of my relationships hard sometimes mm. <laughs> because I'm so invested in it and I see the benefits and I teach it. So I'm over here like, yeah, why isn't everyone doing this? What's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> but was, um, yeah, most, yeah. for most people like too, it's just having the space and the permission to do that, you know, and, and having them be able to see that when you are working on some of these things, you know, there, there is so much, so many positive benefits that can come from it mentally, physically. And for a lot of people, you know, it's, it's really having to take that space to do so because our world just supports us numbing out. You know, we can scroll yeah. the internet for hours. We can just forget. We can just go out for drinks. We don't ever have to really tune in unless we force ourselves to. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's, I wonder where that's all headed, you know? I yeah. I think there's been, you know, COVID in the last few years kind of caused an awakening for a lot of people with that, you know, understanding where are my relationships, where it's my life purpose, what do I really want to do every day? And so I think that that was kind of a start to for many people to really think about, you know, what, what do I want when the world is changing? What do I how do I want to show up differently? So I do think like, and there's a lot more conversations happening too about just, you know, really understanding that talking about these things and understanding your feelings and knowing your needs and setting boundaries and, and really communicating authentically 
that isn't, doesn't make you, you know, less manly, or that doesn't make you, you know, too in touch with your feelings and you can't be logical or you're going to be hormonal or something. It really does. It helps calm you down in so many other areas because it's this ripple effect, right? Like if I feel more in control of my emotions and I understand them and I can communicate them clearly, then I'm also like looking at other people in the ways they're communicating differently, right? Because I'm not all triggered. I'm calm. And I understand what's going on with me. And so it also even helps you take things less personally you know, like for real, cause I'm good. So if something, you know, you say something to me and I didn't do anything. I'm like, okay, that's about you right now yeah. instead of, you know, and, and so I think that again, for people to understand, there's a lot of trickle down effects in different ways that it's not just about like you being in touch with your own emotions, but it helps you understand kind of where other people are at with, with theirs too. All right. Here's a question. Let's okay. What do you do with someone who uh, maybe wants your help, mm -hmm. but then they don't do anything to really change. Yeah. So I don't work with those people. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being real with you, Let's um, in my, in my client work, you know, I get to choose. And that was one of the big things for me is that, you know, I work with people who want to do the work, who are ready for that. And to be fair, sometimes, you know, when you see people who are just sitting in it and they can't get there, you know, everybody has their own timeline. There's no, I can't go to somebody and be like, no, you have to do this. They have to find that within themselves. So to, you know, when people come to me to work with me, it's because, you know, they've, they learned about some things or they've heard some things and they're like here for it. I'm like, okay, yeah, give me the homework. What do you want to do? Let's talk about it. And, and that for me is a, you know, I'm not also a counselor or therapist. So a lot of times when somebody's really in a space where they need to talk through that space, but aren't working through it, then that's when they need more of a support of a mental health professional too, to help them kind of understand some things. Um, but yeah, uh, and, it, and also even, even when I met with my students at the university, I mean, they know what they're signing up for. And so <laughs> I have a reputation for making them talk about feelings and everything. Yeah. So they learn pretty quickly if what they're in for. Um, but I think as a friend or, you know, anyone, when you see people in that space, you know, it's hard because you want to pull them out of it, or you want to tell them they can't, you know, you can't talk to me about this anymore. I'm sick of hearing about it or, or whatever it is. Right. And you want to find your own boundaries. And that can be really difficult because, you know, you just don't want to cut everybody out of your life who might not be on the same trajectory <laughs> as you, you know, you could, but, and some people do. But it's really um, that can be a hard space. And, and for me, again, one of the reasons I choose to do to work with people who are ready is because I know what it feels like when you finally get ready and you just want to dig in and you're like, OK, let's go and let's do this. So I define, love helping people facilitate that. Define readiness for, for that. Um, Personal readiness, I guess for most people, unfortunately, you don't get ready until you're burnt out, you know, mm. until you're resentful or until you're just kind of at your breaking point and, and, or you're just overwhelmed or stressed and you're like, okay, I need a change. And it's kind of like for different people, different wake up calls happen across different spaces. You know, sometimes it's about a relationship. Sometimes it's about a job. Sometimes it's just about a general feeling of like, I want more for myself, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that concept of readiness, I think, is interesting because some people are good at masking readiness. Yeah. Have you come across <laughs> this before? And how, how do you deal with it? 
you know, it, that's something you're so right about that. And, and especially like to, you know, I see people on social media all the time, like masking readiness and wellness all over the place. And then, you know, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, I know what's really happening here. And, <laughs> <laughs> I know about you. You're not, yeah, I'm like, I see anymore. you. And so, um, I think too, it's like, if somebody is doing the work, you know, the things like for me, you know, I do a lot of lectures or then we have workbooks or we're doing reflection questions and, you know, there's homework, like I said, and it's really like, you can see then where people do start to kind of like, okay, yeah, I've got this. I'm good. And so then it's like, are you going to dig in? Or are you going to stay surface level with it? And usually the people who are like kind of faking that readiness, they'll mm -hmm. just stay surface level with it mm -hmm. or they'll, um, you know, maybe not really choose the topics that they need to talk about. And I mean, I, for one, did that for a long time. I had been to so much therapy and done all these things, taught all these classes, thought I was good. But what I realized was I wasn't really healing the right thing. So that's why I kind of felt like this unrest all the time, like, or just, you know, I don't know what's up with me. And I wasn't focusing on what I needed to focus on because I wasn't ready. Yeah. I, th I just think that especially when you're working with other people, the concept of readiness may be one of the more important mm -hmm. concepts to understand because, I mean, I've been in my business for almost 22 years in fitness and people are desperate to feel better, you know, get in better condition, but determining whether they're ready for it can be tricky. Yeah. You know, are you and at a 10 out of 10 or you're like five out of 10? Like, what does yeah. this mean? You know, like, and it's like that, the want to versus the willing to, and yes. I come back to that for myself all the time. It's like, okay, you want this, but what are you really willing to do about it? And, and that's a hard truth for a lot of people, you know, cause you start, especially with working out, like you say, oh, I want to be fit or I want to do this. It's like, okay, so <laughs> where are you going to make some changes to make that happen? Yeah. 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 I think it's one of the more difficult things in any kind of service profession is you're, you're gauging this interest. And it's like on this Likert scale of interest, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're kind of like, okay, you had a five or a one. Like, have you been honest if you're a five or one? I'm like, right. right. That part. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. what's the honesty element into that? So like mm -hmm. when you're working with people, do you have a hard time deciphering that version, that honesty element with people initially, or is it? you've kind of get, you understand, you kind of dive into it pretty quickly. I mean, I understand I kind of dive into it and they're paying yeah. me, you know, so if they're signing sure. up and paying me and, and you can tell too, like um, sometimes, you know, online classes and things like that, you'll have people who will pay and you'll never see them. Right. So, you know, <laughs> and so, so maybe they're doing the work on their own at home, you know, maybe they're not, but I think too, it's even like getting to that point. I mean, I've bought tons of shit that I've never used then too. Sure. Right. So it's like, <laughs> at what getting to that point where that's a pain point for you, then we're like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to spend any more money until I'm really willing to dig in. But unfortunately, like some of that is just like a continual shame cycle for people too, right? Mm. Like, oh, I keep trying and I never follow through on this. And then that becomes their storyline. So even helping people recognize, okay, you say you want these things, you're purchasing all these products to like help you with it, but you're not actually using them. Why is that? Yeah. What are you really afraid of there? You know, let's talk about that then. And because otherwise, again, sometimes we want something so bad. So we do all these things to try to get it. But then if it's back to that work. Okay. Where yeah. are you showing up for it? You ever heard of the concept of like personal myth-making? Oh, oh yeah. The storylines and yeah. the things we tell ourselves. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have myths about themselves, like that they're greater or less than all the yeah. time, you know? And mm -hmm. I often wonder like, 
all the time you spend building up this myth about yourself. Yes. You know, it's really fascinating. I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and if people, and if you start to pay attention to it, just even I've told people, you know, take your phone for one day and then start to record some things that you tell yourself or write things down. And so often, especially like responses to other people and things like that, you know, we start there. We're like, oh, they said this. And then we start this whole story about where it's going to go. Right. Or we've projected into the future about like, yeah, okay, I'm going to work out. Then I'm going to do this, that, then that. And we tell ourselves all these stories. So really reminding yourself that you're in control of the storyline that you're creating. And sometimes you got to step out of your own narrative. Yeah. So and, true. and it's hard because your brain is so good at convincing you that your storyline is correct and that there is no mm. other way. Yeah. So like, I also tell people like, come up with some other alternatives. If your brain is only giving you one solution, it's because it's stuck or wants to feel safe or something's happening there. Because so what other things can you tell yourself about that scenario? And, and some of that is just about, again, like you've said, sometimes it comes back to personal responsibility. We don't always want to look at the reasons why things aren't happening for us. Yeah, it's such a thing where people, it's like projecting that all these other things, these external factors are the reason why you're a mess or whatever. But then you never look at like, maybe I'm part of the reason I'm a mess too. Yeah. It's that that look inward is really difficult for humans. Mm -hmm. It's like it is. You know? And that's that's really what is the goal of like my classes and the things that I do is because you can't change anyone else. You can only change yourself. And so it really is the deeper understanding you have of your own self-awareness, your needs, and how you're showing up. Again, it allows you to choose differently for yourself, choose relationships differently, but it also helps you choose your reactions differently. And you see people then you're like, oh, okay. So I always like do have this reaction to this person, but everywhere else I'm good. So like, what is happening there? And it's funny because people will come to me all the time. They're like, oh, I'm just so mad at my relational partner. Or, oh, I just didn't just want to cut out this friend. And instead of like digging in on that person, it's like, okay, Let's talk about why. Let's talk about where those are coming in and not to excuse other people's terrible behavior if that's happening, but sure. really about like, okay, you can ask people to change or you can give them suggestions about things that you need in relationships and you can wait and see if they're going to do it. But you also have to understand that it's your personal choice of what you're going to put up with, what you're going to stand for, you know, and things like that. And of course, abusive relationships are much different. That's not really what I'm speaking about just in general you know, the relationships we choose for ourselves like that. So that leads me to how has your work challenged or affected your relationships with people in all phases of relationships? I mean, how much time do we have? My we God. have time. <laughs> <laughs> I think, time. you know, no, to be perfectly honest with you, this has been one of the hard things for me is, you know, I'm a relationship expert and teach all about relationships of all these awards and things like that. But my own personal relationships have been fraught with difficulty. And some of that is because I had unresolved trauma I had not healed from. And I did not realize all the ways that I was showing up. So I had a lot of emotional reactivity, you know, I, I wouldn't realize that like I was jumping from a zero to a 10 or I would realize it, but I wouldn't know why. And so for me, you know, um, especially in my younger years and things like that really just, you know, it's one of those situations where my emotion might not match the situation. And then I just always felt like I was having too much emotion or, you know, I wasn't mm -hmm. figuring it out. So I think like 
for me, the cool thing about it is after I really started to dig in and understand where my trauma was showing up in my patterns and how my nervous system was activated differently and, and things like that, it, it's enabled me to have much more authentic relationships. It's enabled me to really, again, see like, okay, where are you having these issues? Is it with certain people? Is it around a certain topic? Is it around, you know, whatever. And to really truly kind of dig into my own patterns more. Um, so now the cool part is that I, I also choose people differently. You know, I know more about what my needs are and I'm okay to state those. And I'm okay to talk to my friends about what I need or what I don't need or what I can handle and what I can't handle. So that space has now given me the greatest connections and the deepest relationships I've ever had. I mean, it was a struggle and there is stuff I look back on and I'm like, mm. <laughs> and especially again, mm. then I felt like an imposter too. Cause it's like, mm. I know this, but why can't I make this happen? Yeah. I, it's interesting. Has anybody ever challenged you on that? And they're like, well, you're teaching this and you're talking about this. Like, what about your life? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I'm big on accountability. And I think that's the one thing is most people aren't. <laughs> so for me, um, you know, I have a history of abuse and it was always, it, it took me a long time to realize that not everything was my fault. Mm -hmm. So I'm a person who, instead of getting mad at other people, I take it, I take it all on. Oh yeah, it is me. Oh shit. I got to fix this. Let me dig in. Let me find something. Oh. And so I would be in the shame and guilt cycle constantly. So it, that's something where it was really then understanding okay well why are why are you in these cycles like what are the behaviors that are coming up and I mean I still had wonderful relationships I was married for 14 years I've had wonderful relationships I'm great with my kids but it's just that it's the next level of like me feeling at peace with myself and then those emotional reactivity moments are like so much fewer and far between and if they do come up I know why <laughs> emotional reactivity what, what do you mean by that Basically, like, again, it's like if your if your reaction doesn't necessarily meet the situation or you can think about like a lot of times, you know, if some, say somebody you're talking to somebody and things get escalated. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe your reaction is that go to jump. You're like, you know, I want to strike yeah. or I want to whatever. Instead, sitting with that a second and having a response instead of a reaction. And for a lot of people, we're walking around with our nervous systems activated and we're so disconnected from where our emotions are showing up in our body or what we're really feeling that we act on those feelings within our body without understanding what emotion we're really feeling if we calmed down a, a little bit. And when I say calm down, I don't mean when you're mad or anything like that. Like some people, like my nervous system was just at a base level of yeah. fight or flight. Yeah. Always since I was six. You know? Right, right. You know what's interesting? I'm looking at you and then I look behind you. I see this being whole. It looks like a book. Yeah, that's my book. Me. And um, it's fascinating. What does that mean to you? So um, that's my book. I wrote it. And um, to me, um, one of the things I said when I finally, so what was the catalyst for me really digging in and going back to heal from my trauma was actually my family was in a car accident. We were hit by a drunk driver. Yeah. And it wasn't like, that was the worst thing that had ever happened to me. We were minorly physically injured, but that, that impact caused me to kind of just spiral and go back. It was like the last thing I could handle. And that's the thing. Like a lot of times you, you won't recognize somebody else's breaking point. Cause it won't seem like that big of a deal mm. compared to everything else in their life. Right. But you don't know what's stacked up before that. Yes. So 
um, after that accident um, or after that crash, I'm not supposed to call it an accident. <laughs> after that crash, um, I I really just couldn't hold hold it together anymore. I was like, all these things that I've been pushing aside that I thought did not matter, that I was so ready to believe did not impact my life. I couldn't put them away anymore. And so I went into several different, you know, I, I do have access to university libraries. I have a PhD. So I went in and studied all these things and started talking to people. And um, I said, I'm tired of being halfway healed. I want to be whole. And so that's where the title of my book is, is being whole. And so my book is about really when I was in trauma therapy or when I was going, I wasn't in therapy the whole time. It was really me journaling. I went back and I read my journals and I saw the patterns for myself, the patterns of my own communication, the patterns of my own, the ways I was talking to myself. And I sat and I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's what's happening here. You know, as research geek, I coded my journals. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. Um, so those themes that came out, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm people pleasing because I have no sense of internal self-worth oh, okay, I don't have a, a good boundaries. And so this is why I have resentment in this area. So those themes are what came to, became the chapters in my book. And my book is really about um, then it's, it's less about abuse really. And it's more about the ways that, you know, we have to go back to honoring ourselves and figuring out what that looks like for ourselves, not just, you know, physically, but emotionally, spiritually, creatively, financially, you know, socially, in all of these ways, how are you nurturing yourself? How are you caring for yourself? Um, because otherwise we tend again to privilege certain parts of ourselves and then not realizing where other things are coming up. So on the cover of this Kintsuji pottery, I don't know if you can see that, but it's yeah. pottery that's been broken and put back together with gold. And, um, the idea then is we can put ourselves back together and be stronger than we were before. And for me, I needed to get all those pieces that were poking me and put them together. So all that's right. what being whole. You answered my question that I was going to ask next. So I'm going to move on to this next one. <laughs> uh, so is becoming whole in your mindset something that is a lifetime process or is this something you feel is can be accomplished earlier? I don't think anyone has ever done healing. I think we always, there's just different layers. There's other things that'll come up. There'll be new triggers or things that present in different ways. Yeah. But I also don't think anyone has to make it quite as hard as I did, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that goes back to people getting there at, at the time it's ready for them. I had numerous other really traumatic events that maybe should have sparked me into awakening sooner, but I, I wasn't ready to go back there. I wasn't ready to go back there. And so again, that's where it can be difficult to watch people who just sit in their stuff yeah. or who don't, but, but again, you, you never know when somebody's breaking point is going to be. So if you're somebody who's watching somebody and they're not getting there fast enough yeah. for you, it's up to you to decide, okay, can you wait and sit in that space with them while they're figuring it out? Or is that causing you too much pain and trauma where you need to go on for yourself because you can't bring them out of it or what have you? You know, what's interesting, I feel like it'd be very difficult to accomplish this kind of mastery of wholeness when you're like 20, you know, it's like, you just haven't been around long enough and you haven't, you just don't have the experience and you're going to, and you change, you become, you mature and your mindset changes over time. I feel like it's like, 
a test that you take continuously over your life. Absolutely. And all like, mm-hmm. And I think that's where too, like why I get so excited when, you know, like I've gotten an opportunity to speak at elementary schools or middle schools. And of course I've taught my college students forever is because some of it is just becoming aware of the idea of it and the principles of it. And so then, you know, you're setting a better foundation for yourself too. You know, if you kind of, oh, all right, I'm thinking about some of these things now and you can go back to them or, you know, realize the ways things are showing up differently. And so I keep in touch with a lot of my students. And so it's really fun for me then to see them now, some of them, so many years later, I started teaching college in 2008 or 2001. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, to see them, you know, they have families, they have jobs, they have careers and to still hear from them about like, oh, I remember this from class or I, oh yeah, now that didn't, I didn't, that didn't make sense then, but now it does. So that, that is a big thing, you know, and that's why it's so important to have these conversations and really talk about kids to kids, even about emotional processing and expression and things, because it doesn't have to be so hard. I don't think. Yeah. And I think it often comes down to kind of the genesis of your life. Like where did your life start? Yeah. And who are the people that raised you and what were the influences? And everybody has a different starting point in that. Yeah. And so their trauma and the things you're dealing with is like if you were born into a family and there was no emotions discussion, Mm -hmm. like you're going to have a much larger uphill battle or the Mm -hmm. emotion of being born into um, a a black family or a different Mm -hmm. ethnicity, you know, or your whatever it may be, a different country, different Mm -hmm. part of the United States that's maybe whatever. Well, socioeconomic status, I mean, it's like looking at intersectionality, you know, it's like looking at all the ways that people's identities add up and Mm -hmm. we don't all start from the same place and we don't all, we don't all have the same experience toward our situation either, you know, of the way other people react and respond to us. And so there's so many layers there for people and it's really hard. And that's why I think it does come to adulthood you start to maybe then put some things together about your childhood that you just can't when you're a child, of course, you know, and so some of that growth and sometimes too, you know, it is as you're going through other life stages, you know, I have a lot of people who think they were fine in childhood until they have their own kids and then stuff will come back for them or they're raising their own kids and they'll be like, Oh, now I remember this. And so even, you know, being aware that it's, it's, it is a process. And there are always going to be different situations and scenarios. So not, not letting yourself feel shame for the fact that you, you know, oh, I'm not healed or, oh, I have to do this again or whatever it is. You think that people are more open to talking about their feelings now than they used to be? Yes, I do. Why do you think that is? I honestly do think social media has helped with that. You know, I know, I mean, everybody wants to hate on social media, but there have been some wonderful things from it. You know, people have been more open about things in general, you know, and then you have seen more and more accounts, especially in the last several years, cropping up, encouraging this, you know, you, and also then you see some of the studies more, you see some of the research more, you hear people talking about it more. So I do think that, um, I think that we, I hope that we continue to see that, you know, people, you know, learning ways that they can communicate their emotions better and talk about those things in a, in a more complete way, I guess. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, it can be a different point of view because there's so much negative um, connotation to social media. 
Oh, don't worry. I feel that too. (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of people, and there's lots of research about that too. Right. Continually being pumped out uh, for that. But there are lots of good things too. It just feels like there's just, as humans, I feel like we center so much on the negative aspects of things. We're very drawn towards uh, crashes. And I'm not trying to give social media all the credit for it, but one thing I do think it has helped with is not everybody has access to resources, Yeah, you know? So, but if you can find some things that you've seen online or on Instagram or whatever, TikTok, and that's speaking to you, then that's a great space. And that's what I tell my clients and stuff too. It's like your social media gets to be as good as you want it to be. Who are you following? What are you, how are you engaging with it? You know, social media is negative, but usually because we're using it in a way that feels negative to us. Yeah. Well, then there's also an aspect of algorithms that may push you into a more negative aspect. You, sometimes you don't have a choice if you're right. randomly well, or, looking or at something. Or you see only one funnel yeah, then, right, right. too, only yeah. one lens. Right. So that's where, you know, I think too, that's why I just encourage the people to talk to the people, you know, talk, talk to, to others people. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I feel like that's one of the missing things is like talking to other people, like either like this or in person, like have a conversation with someone. It's one of the funniest things about doing a podcast is that often we get people, are you going to give me the questions ahead of time? Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what does that mean? Like, life is not scripted. (laughs) I've never had a scripted conversation. I don't know. (laughs) Like, Well, and I think that that, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting able to being able to have those conversations that are just free flowing and can move. And I think like, I enjoy those, you enjoy those, but I'm also like really clear on who I am and myself. So it doesn't make me nervous. It doesn't make me anxious. I no longer (laughs) am trying to hide anything. I'm like, yeah, let's go. What you want to talk about? Yeah. And so I think too, you know, again, when you kind of have some of those things figured out, out, you can show up a little differently. Yeah, this this con- this certainty. Like, I need to prep for what I'm gonna say. I'm like, mm-hmm. but when do you do that in life all the time? Like, this mm-hmm. isn't a speech. You're doing right. It. This is not like, a speech. This is this not, not a presentation. A <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that affects how people interact with each other because they, it's almost the inundation of information. You know a lot, but you don't know a lot at the same time. Uh-huh. I mean, I have to teach my daughter how to talk to people because yeah. she's not used to it. Like, they're just used to online versions of mm-hmm. things no and that was a big change too you know you think yeah exactly for kids and things like that and being when everybody went online like going back out into the world now and you i feel like you can see certain areas where yeah. it's like oh yeah you haven't been out in public in a long time <laughs> yeah. forgotten that there are other people's feelings and things that you should consider <laughs> it's true yeah i think learning how to talk to people is one of the greatest skills you can learn in life it makes your life so much easier you can just chat with someone yeah and if you learn to listen to other people's lived experiences it it's the best you know without just like really truly hey what's up with you tell me about yourself and really i think that's the thing we get so invested in talking that we fail to listen and usually you know some a lot of our differences i firmly believe could be solved if we listened a little more openly instead of trying to insert our own self first you know do you ever think on some level too, that sometimes people don't want information because getting that information may cause them to think differently about the things they believe in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you know, there's a certain amount of, of 
space where you're like, yeah, okay. I maybe know there's something else, but I don't want to go over there because this feels safe to me or this feels comfortable to me. Yeah. I think like if you're exposed to, if you get, if you actually spend a lot of time exposing yourself to things that are different, Mm -hmm. it's very hard not to change. Right. But you do, you have to choose it. Like you said, because you know, even back to social media, okay. You pick the things that you like, and then you only see that in your feed. You know, so it's like, how much exposure are you giving yourself? Are you looking at other sources then? Are you talking to other people? Are you reading books or something that's just really at least expanding your mindset beyond where you are? I think that's so important. Yeah, I think so. And I don't know if you've had this experience, like it's what I do always ask, what do you mean? Or like, I like for people to explain themselves. I think often like when, when you ask somebody to explain themselves, they often don't know what they're saying. Like, because it's always a surface level information. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well, okay, you believe in this or you have this idea. I want you to explain it to me. Like, yeah. I just want to know, like, and if you right. can't do that, how can you be into it? Like, right. Like, yeah. Like, I'm not trying to be combative here. No, I'm not trying I to say anything. Know. Like I'm genuinely curious. Right. And I think like, that's, yeah, that, that idea of openness that could bring you to understanding or seeing somebody differently. I think, unfortunately, we, we did become closed off in a lot of ways to other people in that. And you saw that and that, I don't, I think some of that did have to do with the fact that then we're no longer, we weren't out relating to people. We got to all be keyboard warriors or kind (laughs) of, you know, build ourselves up in different ways. And so we lost some of the humanity in what it really means to listen to other people or what I'm saying to you and what it could look like or how it could come across. And so I think too, like really getting back to that place of like, yeah, understanding like what you see about somebody isn't who they are or one situation, you know, about them might not be reflective of their whole being. So what are you really, you know, again, how, how are you, are you willing to look at what else is out there? What other possibilities exist? Or are you stuck in that one idea of what you think about someone or whatever? Yeah. And what are you, what are your thoughts about, you know, when people, make inflammatory comments uh, regularly online. How do I, I struggle with the concept of that? Like, because in my own self, I can't imagine doing that. But there's tons of people who do it. I don't understand that mentality. You know, I mean, some of it, honestly, I firmly believe goes back to that reacting versus responding. Mm. You see something and you're like, I'm gonna spout off, you know, yeah. or in, in for some people, it feels good to strike, you know, like, Oh, I got you. And I do think that online, you know, you don't necessarily have the accountability of then seeing somebody's reaction to yeah. that or having yeah. them hold you accountable. And if they held you accountable online, then you just get more triggered and so you're yeah. going to go back in. And so some of it, I think is, is that, that interpersonal aspect of accountability that you would hopefully have to not treat someone that way in person, hopefully, yeah. you know, is kind of lost. And I also think too, that, um, People have gotten in this space where they're like, well, I'm going to say what I say and everybody just has to deal with it. It's like, (laughs) okay, okay. You having an opinion and stating your opinions and beliefs is different than you just going out and being an asshole because you're not going to listen to anyone. And so it's like really understanding that, yes, you can believe all your beliefs and you can have them and feel so strong in them, but that doesn't give you the right to treat other people terribly. And so I think there's a big disconnect in that. Like people are like, I say what I want and I don't care. Yeah. So that kind of makes you a bad person. Actually, <laughs> Like that doesn't make you some strong individual who doesn't give a shit. That makes you yeah. a really mean person. So look at that. At least that's my feelings on it. I hate it when people are like, I say what it is and I don't care. It's like, I'm going to do me. 
you yeah. know, like that whole like, thing. Do you, but you don't got to be hateful, you know? Yeah. I think we're fighting this massive struggle between our natural instincts to be in a community. Humans want to be around in communities, groups, but then also this crazy trying to be individuals, all this toxic individualism. You talk about toxic positivity. I tend to see a lot of toxic individualism. Like it's only about me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to care about me, but then I want to be in a group. It's just yeah. fight. Like, but the, but the group better be how I want it. it better be and, how I want it. I'm going to be mad. Be. At it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This better be my type of group because I right. need to be in a group, but it needs to be about yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, exactly. Exactly. And that's where, no, it's a fine line too. Cause you know, I teach so much about self-development and self-awareness, but it's always with the sense of like, no, you're working to understand yourself so you can relate to other people better. Not yeah. like, oh, I understand myself. And if you don't understand me, bye-bye, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. but it's, it's that space of like, again, you know, some people, unfortunately, it is a lack of self-awareness to even understanding that that is what they're doing. And then if you try to explain it, that doesn't yeah. always go so well. No. <laughs> but what's the line too, where like working on yourself becomes self-indulgent also? Oh, oh, good question. I mean, I think it's like asking why you're doing it, you know, cause some people get addicted to it. It's like, okay, now it's the next thing, or I got to try the yeah. next method or buy the next class or read the next book. <laughs> And so some of that for me goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning is like, is it surface level? I tell people all the time, that's really great that you love Brene Brown or you love Kristen Neff, but like, what are you actually putting into practice then with those things? You know, like you, you're like, that's really great. You read fitness magazines or, you know, the, know the moves, but like how many times are you actually squatting over there or whatever it is, right? What are we doing? Like, yeah, I want to know the mechanism, you know? Right, right. And so I think that there's just, it's you know, having some self-awareness too, of where you actually are showing up and being willing to, to change some things. And unfortunately, a lot of times we like to pretend there isn't a problem, like you said, or we like to believe it's with somebody else or some outside force, you know, it's like, oh, it's because I don't have enough money or, oh, it's because I don't have this. Or when I get that and we even put other, other things out there instead of just looking at what we are able to do about something. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, when have you heard, I mean, maybe you've heard this, but like, when have you heard somebody go, you know, I'm the asshole. It's me. I'm the problem. Like, who says that? Generally, it's like, I realize I'm the asshole. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, it's always never, it's never you. It's, it can no, never be you. Never, never you. You know? never get anything wrong. Yeah. Right. But that's the, and that's the thing about, you know, especially romantic relationships. It's realizing that both of you are the asshole sometimes, you know, and like, okay, that's how I show up. This is how you show up. So how are we going to not do that? Or how are we going to recognize when that's happening and work through it? But again, that takes that community and connection. Like you're saying that you want, you have to want and believe that other people's feelings are as valuable as yours. And unfortunately some people do not. It's crazy. It's like when people, I don't care what other people think about me. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Are you a sociopath? I mean, yeah, right. Right. Like most humans actually do. It's okay to admit that. Like it's okay. Yeah. Now, if that's, <laughs> if, if, if caring what other people think about you is completely derailing your day and just right. your self-worth, that's different. That's different. But like wanting to have an image of people like, yeah. So even understanding that really. too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny to me. I'm like this inner work towards who you may be, whoever you're going to be. It's just so bumpy, but you have to go, you have to do it. If not, you're just living in this like fake atmosphere all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's artificial oxygen you're breathing in, you know, it's, oh, 
Yeah. It's never the real thing. You know, right. it's, it's some weird diet version of your life. It's, it's right. strange, you know, like, right. And the crazy thing is you can exist like that forever, actually. You can. Absolutely. That's, that's what doesn't change people too. Part of it is you actually can exist like that for all of your life mm-hmm. and insulate yourself and never have to face it, you know? Absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, once you get into doing that own, your own work more, I think you do kind of become aware of how many people are just going to, and they're okay with that. They're like that. They're just that they're okay with that. And so really for me recognizing, okay, that, that is what they're choosing. So it's not my job to be on this crusade to get them (laughs) to choose like what I'm choosing, but then also understanding what that looks like for me, you know? Okay. And for me, I do prefer my relationships, friendships, you know, romantic relationships, all the things to be with people who are doing that work. And I find it difficult, you know, if people aren't and, and that's a, that's a thing for me. So it's not like I can't relate to those people or I have tons of friends, but it's more like if I'm going to choose the people I'm going to hang out with, I'm going to choose the people who are in those similar spaces of willingness to be open and personal growth and development because I want that. And so I want to surround myself with people who are on that same journey. Seems like to me, based off all the statistics uh, out there, that actually younger people are taking their time with entering in relationships a bit, like certainly like long-term marriage-based mm-hmm. relationships, and that they're maybe seeing a bit more like, okay, you know, this is actually a really serious thing. Like, yeah. I need to really figure this out if I really want to even do this. I've seen a big shift even in my students over the last decade too. And yeah, I mean, the age of first marriage keeps going up higher, you know, and, and that, I think it really is like, because we've opened up this space where we're talking about these things more. So people are like, oh yeah, okay. I got some stuff to figure out or recognizing that, okay, I, I can grow a little bit in these areas before I have to you know, all of a sudden find another person and have that be what my life path is. And, and I think too, that's where even looking at, again, the ways that you're choosing people, you know, are you choosing somebody who's going to be compatible with you? And if you're a person who is like on this growth trajectory and you're with somebody who never wants to look at their own stuff and isn't going to do it, you got to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. Right. For that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do have a lot of hope about especially younger folks. It's just entering things a lot later. And I think Mm -hmm. it's good because I mean, you think you're an adult, says society at a certain age, but you really don't know anything. I mean, you you think about yourself when you're like that age, you're like, okay, Uh, (laughs) wasn't that smart about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, taking your time, I think, is actually to the benefit of the human species, I think, because mm-hmm. we're really not ready for a lot of these things, yeah. you know, whether it's children, whether it's long-term relationships. But I feel like society, at least in the past, is, was always bending people to, you got to start this, start your family immediately, get married and have this whole thing. And I think people are coming online like, I'm not sure that's the right thing for everybody. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. And that's the thing. It doesn't, you know, you just said it doesn't, I'm not sure that's the right thing for everybody because it's not, it's not, when is, when is one <laughs> thing ever been right for everybody? <laughs> you know, like it sounds so obvious when we say it like that. Right. <laughs> but that's part of the whole thing is, which is also why I ask people to explain themselves because when you say something out of your mouth and you hear what you say, you're like, did I actually just say that, that I think the planet is flat. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
Like, because a lot of times nobody makes other people explain themselves. It just take things for face value all the time. I'm just not into that. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, you know, but that's so good that you do that because then you're also not allowing you're, you're giving them a chance to tell you what they mean instead of taking your own perception and then creating some new storyline. Cause that's, that's just it, right? If we don't ask enough questions or if we don't really know where somebody's coming from, we're going to decide where they're coming from. And a lot of times we, we aren't accurate. (laughs) Well, no. And it's, it's so easy for me. It's easy for you to tell me something, Dr. LeClaire and me to go, that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But it's harder to go, can you explain that to me? Like, because then I'm not being offensive at that mm-hmm. point. I'm making you be offensive. Tell me, explain yes. yourself. Yeah. It's just a different technique, but it's it, mm-hmm. one that doesn't usually create as much animosity mm-hmm. for that. So, okay, you believe this. I want you to explain to me, like, what mm-hmm. does that mean, actually? And right. And then I think that that opens it up for a place of, and you, and you know, you can see people's different reactions. Some people sure. are like almost surprised when you ask that because yes. they're not used to that. They're used to, you know, the combative nature or somebody. And, and I think also it, it, this is what I actually tell my son. Cause I've, you know, I'll question him on different things. Yep. And I was like, I'm not disagreeing with you, but you got to know how you're going to argue this, or what are you going to say yeah. about this? What are your real feelings about this? It's not just okay to just be like, well, this is what I think, or I don't like what these people think. It's like, okay, <laughs> but why, why, why? Why? Yeah. Like I'm yeah. like a two-year-old sometimes like, why, why, why? <laughs> Come on, tell me why. why? <laughs> this is a good thing. This is what parents should be doing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I did that with my daughter last night. She's she tends to like be pulled to, to drama, like a lot of people. Uh-huh. I noticed you would talk about drama a lot. Can you tell me why you do that? And I mean, she was like deer in headlights. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this is adult. I said, don't, it's okay. Adults do this too. All the time. Mm-hmm. It's like you, mm-hmm. you have to be able to all explain your position. Like, yes. If you right. can't explain it, then what are you doing? Like, yeah. Like, if you can't explain your position, why are you def- so quick to defend it? Like, I'm not even sure you understand it. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't explain your position, but you're defending it like fervish. Like this right. is a disconnect here. Like, right. For sure. Yeah. And it's like, a little terrifying. You're willing to like, <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, wow, I guess I don't believe that strongly in anything. Cause I, if that's what the, yeah. if, if, you know, if, if I am, I guess I just, yeah, I can't think of anything that I believe in so strongly that I would not be able to defend or explain or talk about. Yeah. I think if you really into something, you should really be able to explain it like thoroughly, Mm -hmm. very well. And if not, it's then questioning, okay, well, where did this belief come from? And is it mine? Because unfortunately too, that's, you know, like really looking at the ways too, that we can be influenced by other people and really learning to separate out what are our own opinions and experiences. And so that we can show up in some of those conversations too, a little in a different way, especially if somebody is, isn't on the same page as us. Yeah, most definitely. Wow. This got ripping and rolling. I tell you, I know it's so fun. Oh my goodness. What happens all the time. I just, we just start going. I love it. I love it. It was so great to talk to you and so many good things we came across. I think, I think so. For sure. Dr. LeClaire, it's been a pleasure. Please tell everyone how they can connect with you. And I'd sure. love for you to find me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. My website is CassandraLeClaire.com. You can pop on over there, but yeah, message me, find me. Um, I love having conversations like this and thank you again for having me. It's just been really great to, to get to talk to you openly. <laughs> yes. I feel the same way. Dr. Cassandra LeClaire, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Gorgeous gaming, stunning streams, unbelievable bandwidth. It's another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the AT&T Fiber customers winning at life with hyper gig speeds. Meet Gagillionaire Terry. While his love of streaming horror movies has him constantly on the edge of his seat, his internet bill won't give him a scare. Oh, don't go in there. I'm telling you. Because since Terry upgraded to AT&T Fiber with hyper gig speeds, he doesn't worry about data caps or equipment fees. Come on, man. The door's open for a reason. And best yet, he also doesn't stress about a price increase at 12 months. Because with the amazing Gagillionaire lifestyle comes an exquisite sense of tranquility. <laughs> Most of the time. Live like a Gagillionaire. Get straightforward pricing with AT&T Fiber. Internet that upgrades everything. No data caps, no equipment fees, and no price increase at 12 months. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details.